This is the Holland Assets Podcast, where we'll show you how to go from employee truck driver to savvy business owner. And we'll do it together because we're starting our own trucking company, Holland Assets. So you'll get a front row seat through the whole process. Together with some experts in the field, we'll teach you how to set up a business, buy a truck, get your DOT and MC numbers, get insurance, and a lot more. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to episode 12 of Holland Assets, the podcast. I am Craig, and over there, he is... Chris. Chris, welcome back. Good to be here. In studio once again. Two, two weeks in a row. This is awesome. And let's not make a habit of this. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get you back uh, yeah, on the you, road. Yeah, I, it can't be a habit. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> got to be able to make money. Don't, don't make money sitting in a room doing a podcast. Well, yeah, that's true. Uh, now, last week... We we covered how to or we covered how much it was going to cost to start a trucking company. Today it's going to be how to finance that, how to come up with those funds. But before we get there, uh, I do want to remind everybody of a couple of things. First of all, go to hollandassetsllc.com uh, to check out the show notes for this and other episodes. If you'd like more details on what we talk about here, uh, and then also head to Facebook and search for Holland Assets. Uh, give that Facebook page a like and check it out because we have another giveaway this yeah, week. We're right? doing another contest. So giveaway is going to be the same thing. $50 gift card, um, Visa gift card, so you can spend it anywhere. But this week we're putting a little different twist on it. Instead of a picture of your truck, we want to see a picture of some nice scenery from where you're traveling through. And, and again, it's not the, you know, it's not the best scenery wins. It's uh just post something, you're entered into the contest, and we'll randomly pick a winner. Pull it out of a hat. So do you have uh, a best scenery entry? I do, and you're going to have to go to the Facebook page to see what it is. It's yeah, kind of, I kind of like it because it's kind of clever. Mine is. <laughs> oh, really? I think, I think so. It, I'm kind of a geek, but I, it made me chuckle a little bit. You you know you can't win, right? Oh, uh, yeah, I know. Okay, all right, well. I can't win my own contest? <laughs> Why not? Something, something about the law or whatever. I, I don't know. I'm not sure it's illegal. Maybe immoral or unethical, but illegal, I don't know. It's a, we'll, call it, we'll call it fuzzy territory. <laughs> uh, okay, so like I said, today we're talking about ideas uh, that you have for how to finance your startup and your operating costs. Um, this is a subject that is going to tie in really well with episode 11, so if by chance somebody hasn't listened to episode 11, I would encourage them to go do so. Uh, so you get an idea of the numbers that we're talking about and how we arrived at those numbers. Um, now, before we do the, the podcast proper, I've got I've to keep this uh, tradition going, Chris. Give me a story from the road. How are things going these days? Um, things have been going overall pretty well, but I, I did have one little hiccup that uh, kind of... Uh ticked me off uh, a week or so ago. I, I took a load of cherries from up in uh, the Northwest, so Seattle, Washington area, and and took it all the way down into uh, the Dallas area oh. of Texas. So, uh, you know, fairly long haul, Yeah. right? Everything went great on the load, and, and I was super excited because that was a really good paying load, and I was doing a delivery at 6 o'clock Friday morning, and we'd found another really great load coming out of the same area, very little deadhead, great paying, that I didn't have to pick up until 4 o'clock that afternoon. So um, plenty of time to drop off the load, have everything taken care of, and be on our way. Well, anyway, so I, I, I actually show up uh, to drop off the load of cherries about... Um, a little after five o'clock in the morning, right after the place opens up. So I'm almost an hour early to my appointment, get everything dropped off, unloaded. I, I can't even remember anymore exactly what time it was. I think it was about 8.30 by the time they actually got everything unloaded. Well, they come to me after it's all unloaded, or I think it's unloaded anyway, and they say, we've got a problem with the load. They rejected about four pallets of the cherries. Out of? Out of about 20. Okay. Wow. But whether it's one or four that they reject, it caused me a problem because now they reject got... it. I've got to deal with it. Right. They put it back on the truck and I've got to figure out what to do with that. So this is, it's actually the day after the 4th of July that that, that happens. And so we're talking eight thirty, nine o'clock in the morning, the 5th of July, Dallas. trying to, 
Dallas, trying to get a hold of the broker, can't get a hold of the broker. Well, we couldn't get a hold of the broker for like four hours. So I've got this load of cherries on my truck I can't do anything with. I can't get a hold of the broker. I'm supposed to pick up another load now at this point at like four o'clock. So to make a long story short, I ended up having to drop the other load because we couldn't get a hold of the broker. And so I, I didn't know if I was going to be able to get it off on time and I didn't want to screw the other broker that I was picking up a load for. And so we finally, the broker finally calls us back, finally finds a place to um, unload the cherries uh, that I'll take them, get my truck empty. But at that point I've missed out on the other great paying load, which really is what the, the whole part of this that ticked me off. And then, um, you know, again, to make a long story short, I was able to get another load, but it wasn't nearly as good as the first one that I had. And the, uh, the, the broker did pay me some detention, but they initially only wanted to pay me a hundred dollars detention and then a hundred dollar redelivery fee. So I'd get an extra 200 bucks. And, and in reality, I was stuck with that load for about an extra, cause I, I didn't get unloaded and everything all done until about four o'clock that afternoon. So I, I ended up having that load for about an extra eight hours, wanted to be, pay me an additional 200 bucks. And I only had to drive about 30 miles to get to the, the second place where, where I was able to deliver the, the rejected cherries. But I fought with the broker a little bit. And here's kind of the point that I want to make with this. Is I fought with the broker a little bit because I, I didn't feel like that was fair. And um, especially where we couldn't get a hold of them for four hours. So we ended up getting $350. So $250 worth of detention and $100 extra for the re-delivery. But you had to fight with it. You know, don't, don't feel like when you initially talk to the broker that what they say is going to be law, you know, if you can give them a good valid argument and, you know, push them a little bit, you know, sometimes they'll cave and like this guy did. And we, we ended up getting about three fifty because of that. It still wasn't an ideal situation for us. It wasn't an ideal situation for them, but ended up being something I think we could both live with and walked away with feeling okay about. And that's, I mean, in a situation like that, that's the best you can hope for. Uh, Yeah, it kind of is. Okay. Well, uh, it, this isn't as fun as some of your stories, Chris, but yeah. uh, maybe it's... It's the reality of life on the road, yeah. and you know, it's a, it's a good lesson I learned a little bit, and you know, hopefully some, some other people can kind of learn a little bit from, from what happened to me. Very good. So are you ready to get started on today's episode then? Yeah, let's jump into it. So last time, uh, like I said, we talked about how much it's going to cost to start a trucking company. Now we had uh, we had what I called the bad news, good news segment at the end there. Uh, you gave what you had to pay, which was $29,893.50. Those were your startup costs. Uh, now your situation is, if not unique, then definitely different than most. And so your costs were considerably higher in your estimate, in your estimation than what the typical starting owner operator would do and your best case scenario was what nine grand something nine yeah, nine thousand six hundred sixteen dollars is what it actually okay. was on the best case scenario. and that's okay so that's the best case scenario most people would probably be somewhere in between there uh so you can count on a good chunk of change but it, it is with a little discipline and saving something that's achievable but you may need a little help to get there right yeah. and that's what we're talking about today that's what that's what we're going to talk about there's a lot of resources out there and a lot of ways to to get money for starting up a business that uh, a lot of people may not be familiar with and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about those today and hopefully point some people in a, in a direction that'll help them out all right well let's uh, jump right in then sounds great all right so we I, I want to break this episode kind of into two parts the first part we're going to talk about really covering and financing those startup costs. And the second part of the the episode, I want to talk a little bit about financing your operating costs. Those are two different things and, and uh, really warrant two different segments in this episode. Okay. All right. And so startup costs being obviously what you got to pay up front, operating costs being the continued uh, cost of running the business, yep. the, the, the costs that are going to come in month in and month out uh, as you keep going, right? Uh, okay, so let's start then with startup costs. Okay, so startup costs, we talked already a little bit about the different amounts. Um, and, and really, there's a lot of different ways that you can come up. More good. Most people, I, I really feel like, are not going to use just one of these 
topics that we talk about, but they're probably going to end up using a combination of them. So for example, the first one I'm going to talk about is savings. You know, hopefully some of us have a little bit of savings and we can use, you know, we may not have the full $10,000 we need, but, uh, you know, maybe we've got a thousand dollars savings. So we'll use that thousand dollars, um, as part of getting that, that money for the startup costs. And then we'll use some of these other, um, areas as well. Right. Um, and what other areas are we talking about now? You mentioned on the last episode, the possibility of even selling stuff that you already have. I mean, most of us have some sort of assets sitting around that could be a source of, uh, of this capital, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so you, you may take, for example, you, you find, you know, something that you don't use very often and you, you really don't need, and you can sell that. Or, or even another thing that you can do is and I've seen people do this when they go to start a business. Maybe they have a, you know, a nicer car that they're proud of that, uh, you know, maybe it's paid for or close to being paid for and they sell that car, use some of that money to buy a cheaper car and then, um, use the rest as, as part of their seed money. Okay. Yeah. Or, or anything else that may be on that, uh, on the chopping block for that possibility. Uh, so run me through some of the other possibilities that we have here for gathering funding. All right. So there's, a, there's actually a lot of lenders out there that are either nonprofits or quasi government organizations that will provide what are called typically micro loans. So in, in this situation, you know, $10,000 to um, $20,000 to $30,000, that's really not a huge loan as far as what most banks are concerned when it comes to businesses. And so, you know, there's a lot of nonprofits that really focus in this little sector. And, you know, it's in the government's best interest and it's in these nonprofits' best interest to, to really help facilitate small business growth. And so that's why they, they provide these loans to help uh, small businesses kind of get off the ground. And is that something you have uh, any firsthand experience with? I mean, I, I know about microloans and have learned about them through, you know, NPR and stuff, but uh, is that something that you recommend? Yeah, I, th I think they're really a really, really good option because they usually have some things that come along with them. So there, there's things from government agencies that do this, like the SBA program has a microloan program. Um, and, and I'll provide some information in the show notes on the website some links to the, some information about the SBA program, the microloan thing that they do, and maybe even some of these nonprofits, but they're different from state to state. You know, some states have uh, a, a huge access to these programs, other states, not, not so much. So it's going to depend a lot of, a lot upon your state. Um, but we'll provide some information on them. But now, now you mentioned that the, these uh, micro loan programs may be what you would have to do instead of a bank. Are there any banks, credit unions, whatever that you could go to for loans in this situation? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just sometimes they're a little bit harder to get, especially with uh, with a startup. You know, those micro loan and the SBA programs, some of those nonprofits, they kind of specialize in this small business startup realm. And banks, so not so much. So typically to be able to get a, a bank loan, you're also going to have to pledge some other kind of collateral. So you take, for example, you know, one of the easiest things to do if you own your own home, sometimes you can go out and get a home equity line of credit mm. or um, get a second mortgage on your home and use that money to um, finance your business. So that, that's one really good option. It's, it's a type of bank loan and uh, can help you get some access to money. You know, oftentimes banks... If you've got good credit, will allow you to do just what's called a signature loan, where you just basically you're just saying, "Hey, I promise to pay this money back," and 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 they'll give you a loan for there. And, and they may only give you a five thousand dollar loan, but you know that that's a good chunk of what your startup cost is going to be. And so, um, it, it, it's it's something, but it's uh, it may not be able to get you everything that you need. And of course, if you do get a loan uh, from one of these places, uh, that's and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but that's going to roll into your operating costs, right? You're going to have to pay back these loans. And you so, are, yeah. Something absolutely. to think about. Uh, so what other options do we have? Another thing, yeah, and again, going along with bank loans, this is actually something I, I used back early on in one of my businesses um, several years ago is, is you can refinance a vehicle. You know, oh. I, I had a, I had a, it wasn't a, a super, you know, it was kind of an older vehicle, but it was paid for. I, I, I didn't owe anything on it and I was able to go use that as collateral with a bank. And, you know, oftentimes they'll give you a hundred percent of the value. And in fact, I think when I did it, they gave me like 105% of the value of the vehicle and, uh, was able to access a little bit of capital that way. 
Nice. Yeah. Okay, very good. Uh, what about the dreaded, <laughs> the dreaded bank? I mean, these are even scarier than uh, you know the quasi-government institutions that we deal with on a daily, daily basis. But the friends and family bank. The friends and family bank. That's, is is this something you recommend? It's, uh, under certain circumstances, yeah. I mean, you know, a, a lot of the times your family mem- members want to see you succeed. And if you've got a good business plan and you're following the system that we talk about with this podcast and you feel like you can um, follow the system and be disciplined about it, your, your chances of being able to be successful are, are high. And so, I, I, you know, I feel comfortable being able to go to a friend and family and say, hey, you know, I, I want a little bit of money to do this and this is how I'm going to do it. And if you can present it to them in a way that they feel comfortable and everybody feels comfortable with it, you know, you can be good to go. I know when I, uh, again, I've used this in the past. My dad has been, you know, my dad wants to see me be successful in life. And, you know, he has been willing to help me when I've needed it. And I've, I've uh, taken a loan from him in the past uh, to help out with the business before. All right. So yeah, that's a possibility then. Absolutely. Uh, and something that I remember all the way back from, gosh, episode one or two or whatever it was, this is a while ago, but uh, the idea of partnerships and this being a source, a potential source of capital. If uh, if you enter into a partnership, say, you know, you got the owner operator thing going on and let's say I just want to be the operator and I can bring somebody else on as a partner who can be more on the owner side of things they may have uh, the capital that I need. And that, that could be the, the foundation of a beautiful friendship. Absolutely. A partner can be a good way to go if it's, if it's for the right reasons. And um, you're, you're both on the same page, you know, kind of some of the things that we talked about earlier in the episode when we really dove into the partnership thing. But one of the things that I would, you know, kind of like to mention, talk about just as a, not necessarily a telecaution, but just something you need to think about is, when you go in with a partner, you give up equity. And, and what, what I mean by equity is you give up ownership. So, you know, a lot of times a partnership's going to be split 50-50. You know, I, one partner owns 50% of the business. The other partner also owns 50% of the business. Or sometimes maybe a partner owns 80 and another owns 20. Um, if, if you're going, thinking about bringing on a partner just to pay for the startup costs and it's essentially going to be a one-time loan. Um, just get a loan. You might be better off just getting a loan because <laughs> right. that you, when you're giving up equity, you're giving up a big piece of your business. And, and giving up equity or giving up ownership might be the right answer, but a lot of times if it's just for a one-time loan thing and, and that's all that partner brings to the table, um, I would only use that as kind of a last resort. And then if you do need to use it, um, try to limit the amount of equity you give them. You know, don't, right. don't, uh, don't don't give them everything. Right. Yeah. I mean, you've talked about this in the past. The idea of a partnership can be really valuable, especially if you have complementary uh, characteristics yeah. and as far as uh, being able to run and operate this business. Uh, but otherwise, if they're just a checkbook, then, you know, it could be you want to find a different option. Yeah. If, I, if another one if is you out can. there. Absolutely. Uh, so last one on the list here is credit cards and i mean the moment you say credit cards for something like this i mean i i use credit cards on a daily basis but when we're talking about it for startup costs for business which as we've mentioned these are not tiny little alarms start going off in my head uh credit cards so you've listed this as a possible source but you know i like i said my alarm bells are going off should they be Again, this is another one of those things that's pretty pretty low down there on the last case scenario type thing. So I've, I know a lot of people who have used credit cards to fund a, the startup of a business and have been able to be successful at it, but you need to be really careful and go in with your eyes wide open. So there's a couple things. You know, for, first and foremost, if you, if you do decide to go down this route, I really feel like you have to have some kind of backup plan. So you know, if, if the business doesn't start making as much money as you think right off the bat, or, um, you know, you you come in, you run into some kind of roadblock, you've got a backup plan to help make those credit card payments for a little while. So that may mean you hold off a a little bit of cash on the side that you set aside to do that. Or maybe you've got a, a spouse or a significant other or somebody else that has a steady job that's making some income that, you, you know, if you tighten down the hatch for a little bit, you can 
you'll still have enough money to make those credit card payments, but definitely have a backup plan to make sure you make those credit card payments yeah. um, if, if you do decide to go down that route. Well, and this is maybe a good transition point because similar to what I was saying earlier about any type of loan and credit cards would be in that boat as well. Once you take out a loan uh, or go into debt of any kind, you're going to have to pay that back. And this is going to be part of your operating costs ongoing until that debt is paid. Uh, so maybe now is a good time to transition into talking about operating costs and, and what else we might see there. Uh, so for this section of the podcast, Chris, uh, there's a, an unfamiliar face has wandered into our studio. Uh, now, this is, to my knowledge, the first time that we've ever had an in-studio guest. It is the first time we've had an in-studio guest, yeah. <laughs> right, you didn't well, think I had any friends. I, well, you know, I thought that's why I thought that's why we were podcasting together. <laughs> All right, well, let's bring him in. So, Chris, introduce us. Who is this strange man in our studio? All right. So, we've got with us today Rob. And um, Rob and I go way back. What about, let's see, 14, 15 years? Yeah. Something like about that. that. Yeah. Rob and I worked together at Flying J for, for quite a few years. That's kind of how we got to know each other. I didn't know you worked at Flying J. I did work at Flying J. Yep. Yeah. Well, I'm glad he's here then so I can learn more about you. <laughs> now, this is great. So, uh, all right. So, Rob, uh, how are you going to be helping us out today? I guess, uh, Chris, it, let, let me know what we're going to be doing with Rob. Today. So, we did work at Flying J together, but for the last about five years, we've been business partners, started a uh, factoring company together, which factoring is a, is a, you know, it can have a negative connotation in the, the trucking industry. And we'll get a little bit into that. We'll talk, we'll, we'll try to be totally upfront with everything. But uh, Rob and I started, along with another partner, um, started a factoring company called iThrive Funding about five years ago. Yeah, it's been, it's been fun too. It's been fun. It's been a, it's been a fun ride. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's get into it. What exactly do we mean by operating capital? Let's start there. So operating capital is really the money that you use to keep the business running. So for example, the fuel you're putting into your truck every day, you know, to cover your insurance payment, paying your driver, or if you're an owner operator paying yourself, you got to keep paying your mortgage or your rent and your, for your cars and all that kind of stuff. You know, your tolls, your lumpers, maintenance, repairs, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I think for most people in most trucking companies, your operating capital for one truck guy is going to be around $15,000 a month. And although that sounds like a lot, um, your revenues should be seventeen to twenty thousand, or even more a month. So, should be able to cover that fifteen thousand dollars a month if you're doing things right. So the the problem really comes not that that expense is so high, but it's that you, that expense is going to keep going, and it starts day one. So the day you start hauling that first load, those expenses start accruing and start coming up. And the problem is, is that the revenue, the money that you get paid for the work that you do doesn't start coming in right away because most shippers and brokers have what's called net 30 terms. That means that you finish the work for them today, they're not going to pay you for 30 days. So you've got to be able to pay you know, the, for the fuel and for all that stuff coming down the pipe um, right away, even though you're not going to have money coming in. So um We'll talk a little bit about that today. Okay. All right. Now, I, I do want to get to Rob in just a moment, but I want to follow up on something here because you say it is a problem. You've got to, you, you have these expenses from day one, and, and I'm betting because you have had an okay first three months so far, I think, uh, you obviously have a solution to this, right? Yeah. There's actually kind of two ways that you can kind of help cover those expenses, even though you're not getting your revenue in. And, and one of them is through factoring, and the, and the other one is, is what's typically called within the industry, quick pays. And, and both of them have good merits, and, and we're going to give you our thoughts on, on factoring and a little bit on, on uh, um, quick pays as well. Okay. All right. Well, l do we want to start in with factoring, or should we save that and, and uh, talk about quick pays first? Let's let's go. Let's talk a little bit about factoring because I, I kind of feel like I want to tell a little bit of, of about my story and kind of my um, experience with factoring over the years. So, as I mentioned, Rob and I worked at Flying J um, years and years ago, and and really for most of that time, both of us were working at the the bank that that Flying J owns. You may have heard it, or you know, a lot of guys in the trucking industry may have heard of it. 
um, Transportation Alliance Bank, often referred to as Tab Bank. And um, Tab Bank does a lot of factoring, and that's kind of where I, I got some exposure to it, but that was Rob's life for, for quite a few years. He, he, he knows it really well. But initially, I was never like a huge fan of factoring. Um, it, it's got its merits, but it was just one of those things I, I didn't understand totally. And I, I'd heard a lot of bad things about it. And, you know, I, I and, and to be honest with you, I, I kind of had that negative um, view to a certain extent of factoring. But as, uh, as time went on, I kind of learned a little bit more about it and my views started to change. So um, when uh, I started my first business in the trucking industry, Progressive Reporting Agency, and we, we were helping truck drivers do a lot of things to help them manage their business, I would just hear horror story after horror story of guys who had been taken advantage of by factoring companies. And, and that's really also kind of what helped drive that negative connotation. But after a while, I started to think, you know, most of these guys really need factoring because they just don't have that operating capital right up front to be able to float for so long. And so I knew that guys were going to do it. And I, I started to think, well, if they're going to do it, maybe I can start a factoring company and not take advantage of them and, and, and really treat them fairly and, 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 you know, make money and at the same time. And so that's when I actually ended up reaching out to Rob. What was that? I think 2013, yeah, somewhere around 2013. There. And it was through a LinkedIn message. Yeah. We had we talked had, to each other for a long time and those actually work. No, I like out yeah. of the blue, I get this LinkedIn <laughs> message like, Hey, can you talk? And I'm like, yeah. So we, yeah. well, we met at a restaurant. We met at a, at a Neater's. Yeah. Oh, was I, was, a bakery, I was hoping yeah. it was going to be something candlelit. No, 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 well, yeah, no, <laughs> that, that came later on down the road when we started the business. Sure. And the first, the, our first office was in Rob's daughter's bedroom. It's true. Room. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was pink and there was, anyway, that was, man, that seems like forever ago. That but. was a, that was a little bit ago. <laughs> well, now if you don't mind, I want to zoom out a little bit because we've, talked you mentioned the word factoring and all this stuff we've talked around it a little bit but will you give me a direct definition of what in the world factoring is yeah you bet it's 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 pretty simple and maybe maybe i'll let rob answer that he probably can answer it better than i can yeah so i mean kind of just the quick and dirty definition a factoring company is actually going to purchase your accounts receivable or your or your loads um and so in essence when you present your, or when you're basically going to sell them the receivable and they pay you money within a 24 hour period, typically. Um, and then on the back end, they're going to do the billing. They're also going to do any collections, um, things of that nature. So, so in essence, you're going to complete the load, present the load to a factoring company who purchases it, and then they pay you the money within a 24 hour period so that you have capital basically in your pocket. How long are you typically waiting for, you know, if you weren't going through a factoring company and you're just waiting for payment uh, after delivery, how long would you have to wait? Yeah, great question. Typically, most brokers have a, a net 30. Um, and so if they pay right at net 30, you're going to be 37 to 40 days, sometimes 45 days. We've seen as far as 60 days on some guys, um, worst case scenario. Um, and so, you know, the real benefit is, is you close the time it takes to get the cash for the load you've completed so that you have operating capital for fuel on your next load or for your truck payment or whatever it is that you, you know, you need as far as operating capital goes. Right. Okay. So it's starting to make sense. You know, if I have to wait 30 days, 45 days uh, for payment on a load, that's not going to work for me in my first month, uh, especially. I mean, you know, you never know maybe down the road as well uh, but that first month you've just spent you know what in your case chris almost thirty thousand dollars getting the business started you may not have the option of uh of sitting around for another 30 days waiting for payments to start rolling in and that's one of the things that really kind of helped me turn my attitude a little bit around about factoring and when i kind of started to realize you know there's there's more to it a lot of guys most guys are going to need it because they've the they've spent most of their money in those startup costs and they don't have any additional money. And factoring is a really great, great way to bridge that gap and, and help guys get money right away as they're starting to roll down the road 
to help pay for those expenses. And plus, kind of as Rob was mentioning too, there's a lot more that goes on behind the scenes that I, when I when I first got exposed to factoring, didn't really understand because the factoring company really becomes your partner. A, a good factoring company really becomes your partner because you get an account manager that you submit all your paperwork to, and 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 really all you're doing is just submitting them a copy of the the bill of lading and a copy of the the rate confirmation. And then your account manager at the factoring company takes care of the rest. They create an invoice, they send it off to the right people so that you get paid. Um, and, and they do all the collecting, all that stuff. It, it basically just takes a load off your plate and you don't have to worry about it. So to speak. So to speak. So yeah. I, I love trucking phones on this show. <laughs> it uh, takes a load off. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that's factoring. And I think we're going to get a little bit more in depth on, uh, you know, pros and cons and that sort of thing. But we've also mentioned quick pays. Uh, I'm going to turn to you again, Rob, sure. uh, for a definition of quick pays before we dive into the nitty gritty of it. Yeah. So the quick pay is essentially when you complete the load for the broker, you submit your paperwork to the broker based upon how they want it done. And then for a fee, they will, in essence, issue you a quick pay. Uh, typically, that's going to be 48 hours is the quickest. Some some say 24 hours. My experience is, is it's rarely 24 hours. You're usually 48 to 72 hours. Um, Sometimes even a week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every broker is different. And, and every broker's process for submitting paperwork is different. And it's unique. Um, and so as, as you begin to work with different brokers, they may offer a quick pay. Some may not. Um, you know, some of the larger companies that, that do it charge up to 5%. Um, so not only are they taking a cut on the load from 12 to 15%, then you take a quick pay and they take an additional 5%. They're making pretty good money on that load already. Sure. You know, sure. um, and, and in essence, they're not doing anything more than giving you the money. Um, a know, little faster yeah, than they would have. You know, I don't want to jump the gun on this a little bit, but the factoring company, at least for the same amount of money or less, is doing the billing. You know, they're they're doing extra services that take a load off of your shoulders mm-hmm. um, for the same price. You right. know, so so there's a better value, in my opinion, using a factoring company over a quick pay. Okay, well, says the guy who owns the factoring <laughs> right, company. Right, we are we are a little bit biased, but we're trying to <laughs> we're trying to be as upfront and and honest as we can and give. That's as, my job. I keep you. Yeah, honest. you keep us that's objective. Right. That's and that's good. <laughs> no, okay. So now that we've got a definition of both, and and actually, uh, I, I was just about to start in on pros and cons, but you gave me an idea of the cost of doing a quick pay, something around five percent, uh, something like that. Can you give me an idea of what we'd be looking at for factoring sure. as well? And in the scope of factoring and factors in general, the pricing is going to is going to vary. But you know, for for an owner operator, typically doing you know twenty thousand a month, you're going to be anywhere from three to five percent, depending okay. on the factoring company. So possibly even a little lower than possibly, the quick yeah. Pay. Yep. Okay. All right. Very good. So now let's get into some of the pros and cons and, and compare these two and what might be the best way to uh, finance your operating costs, uh, especially, like I said, especially during that first month, but then in an ongoing way as well, I imagine uh, this has uh, continuing value to, to use these systems. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think obviously both advantages in, in either a quick pay or factoring is you're going to get your money quicker. I mean, that's, that's the whole, the whole point. Uh, disadvantages to a quick pay, um, as I mentioned, there's a different billing process or a different quick pay process with every broker. And so you have to figure that out each time. Um, usually the cost is the same, if not more than a factoring company, and you still have to do all the paperwork and all the billing yourself. And if things don't collect, then you, you know, you got to chase down the payment. Um, and then, you know, uh, Chris mentioned this, you usually don't get your money as quick as a factoring company. A factoring company is going to get you something same day or, or at least 24 hours. Um, and, and, a, and a broker doesn't always come, come through with those promises. Right. right? right. And, and kind of, I want to add one little point with this, you know, the, the, where the process is different with every broker and it gets a little bit more complicated. You know, we see this happen all the time where if you don't submit the paperwork just right to the broker, you know, that quick pay, instead of being, you know, 72 hours down the road, you know, they, you know, 72 hours down the road, you still haven't got paid. You call them back up. Well, you didn't submit your paperwork right. And you didn't do this right. And so 
um, you, you, you go fix it and resubmit it and then we'll give you the money. Right. And so that, you know, oftentimes that gets, you're still paying the same fee and it, and it just keeps getting stretched out, stretched out, stretched out. Well, when you have, when you're working with a factoring company and you have those same kind of issues, the factoring company's dealing with it. You've already gotten your money. And even if, you know, for some reason the, the broker or the shipper is being really nitpicky on the paperwork, the factoring company is going to work that all out. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, tell me a little bit more about that factoring company and the advantages that that system provides. Yeah, I, I mean, we kind of keyed in on most of them just to kind of summarize or, or to recap on them. You're, you're obviously going to get your money faster. You're dealing with one person, you know, as opposed to, you know, multiple accounts payable clerks. Um, and so, you know, that to me, that's a huge time savings. And, and, you know, Chris has been in a truck. I haven't, but I, I know what it's like to chase paperwork because I've done it from a factoring point of view. And, and that takes up a bunch of time, um, getting a hold of brokers and making sure you got everything that you need. Um, so, you know, the billing, handling the collections, all those are, are time savers for the, for the owner operator. Right. Um, you know, and I, and I think down the road too, if you, if you, look at maybe adding one or two trucks at some point you have to add additional labor to help you do the billing. And if you're doing it on your own, um, as, as you grow that factoring company kind of grows with you. I mean, they always have the capacity to handle an additional truck or two or three, even four, you know, that's what they're, that's what they're built to do. And so as you continue to grow, you don't have to add additional overhead of people to help you manage your business. Right. Okay, so at this point now, I I made fun of you guys a little bit, you know, the owners of the factory company uh, extolling <laughs> sure. the virtues of factoring, right? But in seriousness, it does, from the case that you guys have laid out, uh, it sounds like uh, both are viable options, but factoring provides benefits beyond what going through quick pays uh, may be able to get you. Is there any reason why somebody would or should choose a quick pay over factoring? Uh, or is it in your mind, is it uh, kind of a blanket recommendation, you know, factoring I, is going to be the better bet? The, the, here's only the, the only two scenarios I can really think of where quick pay might be more advantageous is if you can find a quick pay that's cheaper one than what a factoring company charges, which uh, in, in my s experience is, is rare. You know, usually they're the same or more. To, to do quick pay versus factoring. And then the other situation, some people would make the argument that, you know, you may want to quick pay one load and then not quick pay the next load, quick pay one load, quick pay the next load. Well, most factoring, well, I, I don't know if I'd say most factoring companies, but there are factoring companies that are out there that don't, and ours is included in this, that don't require a minimum amount of purchases a month. And you can kind of pick and choose brokers. You know, you may have this broker that you want to factor loads through and another broker that you don't. So you can kind of pick and choose just like you could with a quick base. So I, there, I, I really don't think there's too many scenarios where, um, quick pay makes more sense than, than factoring. If you're going to, if you're going to use one or the other, I think just for simplicity's sake and for no more cost, you know, factoring company is going to take more of a load off your shoulders and, 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 alleviate some of the stresses that come along with being an owner operator. Yeah. Yeah. Now uh, let me, uh, allow my ignorance to shine forth once again here and just ask. So with all of these advantages that you get, why the bad rap? Uh, you, you mentioned Chris that you'd seen guys taken advantage of by factoring companies. How does that happen? What do people need to look out for? Ooh, I want to jump all over. Please this one. do. Ron. <laughs> <laughs> no, cause uh, you know, I think, I think one of the big, issues out there is that um you are going to sign up with a factoring company and what the marketing says versus what the agreement says doesn't always add up in one's mind so the sales guy gets on the phone and he pitches you this great marketing pitch and operationally nothing's really explained on what happens if you don't meet your quota or what happens if if the paperwork doesn't come in right and so the expectations become misaligned because the marketer is too worried about closing a deal as opposed to educating the trucker on how the program really works. Um, I, I think that's the biggest one is, is that I hear all the time guys say, well, I don't have an agreement. You know, I have a factoring company, but they don't, they don't make me have an agreement. And I'm like, well, 
you know, legally you have to have an agreement to do factoring. That's just the way it works. And we, we talk through it, but, um, I think more than anything, it just comes down to making sure you understand what you're getting into, uh, bigger factoring companies. When you get an agreement, it's going to be 18 pages long. And that's a lot of material to get through to make sure you understand what they're doing. Smaller factoring companies, you're going to be six to eight pages and it's going to be a lot more simple to get through. They'll take the time to explain your answer or questions you might have. Um, you know, I think that that's, that's probably the big one is just not understanding, um, what the expectations are of the factoring company up front. Yeah. And I, and I think one of the things that I see happen a lot is because, you know, those, those expectations are misaligned and then it causes a rift between the owner operator and the account manager that they're assigned to, and they just can't work well together. And, you know, it causes problems and then the, the owner operator wants to get out of the agreement, but the, you know, some of these factoring companies have really bad, nasty agreements and, and, and won't let them out. And, and, and then it just kind of snowballs and creates a really, um, toxic environment. So, you know, you, you, you see that happen a lot and it, it just, it, you know, it can, it can make a, instead of relieving an owner operator stress, it, it just increases it. So you, you want to make sure you're getting in with a company that's going to treat you well. And that's one of the things, you know, we'll typically do. Um, I mean, there, there's been a handful of times where, you know, a client's come to us and said, Hey, I've been presented with this, you know, I'm trying to evaluate two companies and, um, yours and somebody else's, we're more than happy to look at another agreement and they're there and, and say, you know, here's the advantages of ours versus the disadvantages of, or advantages of somebody else's, or, you know, point out if there are pieces of somebody else's agreement that aren't, um, that, that, that are going to hurt the person potentially in the future. And, and we'll, we'll always try to be upfront and honest and yeah. in that. And I think with any business or, or industry, there's, there's the good and the bad. Right. Yeah. And I mean, we have competitions or, com or sorry, competitors rather who we know are good people that, you know, we lose a deal to him and it's like, you know what, that's a, that's a good company. He'll take care of you a and vice versa. And then, and then there's other companies out there that I'm like, look, I, I'd rather lose this deal to another factoring company than have you go with XYZ company because I know their agreement and I just, their experience is not going to be good for an owner operator. Um, and, and so those are some of the things that, you know, deep down inside, we've always kind of committed that, you know, good karma brings good actions and, and good results. And, you know, if, if there's things where we get sideways with guys or there's questions, we always try to you know, explain it, come to a win-win solution, you know, and, and try to figure that out ahead of time so that there aren't the surprises that they run into with larger shops. Well, you guys are giving me all the warm fuzzies. Here. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Uh, so I, I've got another question for you. Now, I, as I said a little while ago, I can see how this would be really valuable, especially in your first 30 days or your first 90 days as you're getting the business up and running, uh, using factoring to, uh, to get that operating capital quicker than you would otherwise. Now, are there other situations that uh, that this is good for? Are are there times and situations where you should seek out something like factoring and times when you should avoid it? Can you give me some wisdom there? Yeah, do you want to hit that, Rob? Look, I, it's funny because, you know, we own a factoring company. Um, if you're well capitalized and you have a lot of savings, um, factoring is probably not for you. You know, it's probably something that you don't want to do if, if you're bankable, you know, um, what do you, what do you, you mean say, by bankable? Yeah. yeah. So bankable, like you either have savings, like you're talking about, you've right. got the money in hand or you can go to a bank and get like a traditional line of credit. That's right. going to be cheaper money, right? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. It's going to be cheaper money. Um, you, you know, but that's the reality. A, a bank is always going to be cheaper than a factoring company. Um, but a bank also has a lot of, you know, covenants or, or requirements that they have of somebody before, you know, they'll loan them money. The process of getting a bank approval sometimes takes weeks or months too, depending on what you want. You know, a factoring company, pretty much they get, you know, you assemble a package together. Most guys can get you an answer 24 to 48 hours later. They can tell you if, if they're going to do business with you. Um, traditional financing or, or bank financing 
you're going to be subject to the covenants or the requirements. So if you have like a Chris, you know, you're running your truck here, for instance, and you have a couple bad loads and a couple bad months and they want financial statements and all of a sudden you don't meet their financial standards, you trip covenants and you're in default. Um, and at that point, you know, things get a little tricky with the bank because now you're in default and you have to do workout and it, it, it's just a different world, right? The bank's going to land on hard assets like equipment. Um, they don't really love receivables. They'll do it, but you know, they don't really, they want something that they can go touch. Right. <laughs> they, yeah, that makes sense. You, you know, as far as to lend on it. Um, and, and so high growth, like if you're in a high growth mode, um, banks can be problematic because they're conservative. Whereas a factoring company, the biggest, I think in a high growth mode, a factoring company makes a lot of sense because the receivable is what they loan against. And the faster you grow, the faster your receivable grows. And, you know, um, a factoring company is not going to have any problem with that growth. They'll, yeah. Whereas a bank's going to say, man, you're growing kind of fast. I don't know. I mean, how are things going? And, and that's coming from a guy that used to work at a bank, right? Like our bank did both factoring and traditional financing. And it was always an interesting conversation to have with an underwriter factoring versus traditional asset based, asset based lending. And, and it was, it was always a struggle sometimes to win deals. Um, were a little more non-traditional for banks right and with all of that of course uh what my brain latches onto is the phrase tripping covenants which sounds like a really bad christian rock band <laughs> uh, okay so hey, let me see if i've got this all wrapped up in my brain then i'll, I'll see if i can uh, tie this up in a bow as we tend to do sometimes chris so we've got uh, we, we need operating capital and I'm just doing the second half here of the podcast. So we're talking about operating capital and how to finance that. We've got two options here. Uh, we've got factoring and then there's uh, quick pays. Now quick pays are uh, fine in their way. Uh, they have some advantages, certainly some advantages over sitting and waiting for, you know, 30 days of uh, a payment. Uh, but ultimately, any advantage that you get from a quick pay, you can get from factoring and, and potentially more. Uh, yep. And so you guys, uh, you know, again, I mean, ha ha ha, it's, it's funny, but if you own a factoring company and that's not by accident. It's because uh, you think that this is a viable uh, potential solution for somebody who's looking for that operating capital. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, like I said, kind of at the beginning is... My, my attitude about factoring has changed completely. And, you know, kind of to, to piggyback on a little bit of what Rob has said, you know, if, if you are well capitalized, you've got money or you're able to get bank loans to cover your operating costs, factoring may not be the right thing for you. And, 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 and that's okay. But, you know, what we've seen over the years and, and what I've seen is I've worked with, you know, hundreds and thousands of uh, trucking companies is, is most guys don't and and factoring is an option that they need and and you know we've created this company to be able to provide that service honestly and and really be able to help out the small guy i mean that's what we focus on are the the you know one to ten truck guys and uh you know w with a, a company like ours they're a big fish in a small pond and and we help them out give them the attention they need and and really try to be a a partner very good uh, it's a uh, sunshine and roses as far sunshine as sunshine and roses. No, that's great. Uh, this is fantastic. So yeah, when it comes to starting your company, obviously the startup costs are, uh, those are going to be obvious in your mind. Yeah. I've got to have this amount of cash on hand to start the business, but then you also have to think about, okay, but what am I going to do for the first 30 days, the first 60 days as my, uh, accounts receivable really starts rolling over and rolling over and rolling over. Um, and so this, uh, this is good. This is helpful stuff. And I feel like I'm being well-educated you guys. Yeah. So well done. Any parting thoughts on this subject before we call it quits for today? Um, I, I just, to wrap it up, say, you know, money, obviously you need a lot of money to be able to start and run a trucking company. And there's a lot of solutions to, to help you get both that, that startup capital that you need We've talked a lot about those and there's other ones out there that we haven't talked about. And then also on the operating side of things, um, you know, factoring quick pays, um, th those are really, to, to be honest with you, really easy solutions. You know, the, the, the more challenging piece is coming up with the money 
for the startup piece. Once you've got that startup piece going and you're ready to run, um, the operating capital, whether it's through factoring or quick pay, um, is really a door that's open to 95% of the people out there and, and pretty easy to get. Is that fair to say, Rob? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, and kind of my final thought is, uh, look, if you're working with a factoring company and you ask for, you know, their legal agreement or, you know, and they don't provide it to you, you know, up front, you know, that's kind of a big red flag. The other thing is, is if you have questions, if you're working with a guy or a factoring company and you have questions regarding the legal agreement, you know, um, we're, we're happy to help guys kind of navigate through that agreement and help them ask the right questions or, you know, we've had a bunch of guys that send them into us and we'll redline them and send them back and say, these are some of the things that maybe you want to, you want to make sure you understand, um, before you maybe sign that agreement. And, and, you know, we, like, like Chris said, we, while we hope you come to I thrive in the long run, we just want you to stay in business. That's, you know, that, that's your dream to go, go out there and drive and make sure that your business is successful and, and whether we help you do that through the cash flow or, or simply just by helping you out on your agreement to make sure you understand what you're getting yourself into, you know, we're, we're happy to help in any way we can. All right. Very good. Well, let's call it there, gentlemen. Uh, Rob, thanks for coming in. Yeah. Our very first in-studio guest. Uh, we've had a few other voices on the podcast, but that's usually you going out and chatting with people, Chris. And uh, uh, so this has been fun. If anybody uh, out there in listener land has any more questions, you want some more details on what we've talked about, make sure you go to hollandassetsllc.com. Check out the show notes there. Uh, we'll have some more details there. Uh, and also, don't forget, head uh, head to the Facebook page. Make sure you like that Facebook page and check out the giveaway that we're doing right now. Submit a photo of your best landscape while you're out on the road and uh, you'll be entered to win. What are we entered to win this week? $50 Visa gift card. Another $50 Visa gift card. All right. So we hope to see you there on the Facebook page. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, for coming in today. And thanks, everybody, for listening. We will see you for episode 13, which is... Do we know what that's about yet? Um... That's a good question. Not off the top of my head. I've got it in my notes, but I couldn't tell you. I, I can't even tell you what I ate yesterday. Good enough for me. All right. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. And I'll see you next time. All right.